This is The Rundown, presented by The Runner Washington. Featuring Alex McIntyre and Kyle Paulson. Now, here is your host, the runner Washington himself, Keenan Gray. Welcome to the rundown here on the Runner Washington, your home for high school cross country and track field here in the state of Washington. Glad to have you all tuned back in. Keenan Gray, Alex McIntyre, Kyle Paulson. First of all, fellas, how are we doing? It's March, February, January over with. 2021 seems like it's getting underway and it doesn't seem as terrible as it was in 2020. My general mood is just so much better right now going into March. We had a 60 degree day yesterday in Yelm, Washington. Sun was shining. Uh, just a nice way to kind of introduce a new month. Kind of felt like a fresh start a little bit. We got some good racing in the past few weeks. So I'm feeling good, Keenan. Yeah, I got this whole week off using some uh, paid family leave. So I'm feeling really good, getting a lot of work done around the house and at practice with the boys. So that's been a lot of fun. And Great because of the month. And because it is March, I mean, it's March Madness, basketball. I know a lot of runners out there love watching basketball, and some of them even participate in basketball at our local high schools around the state of Washington. Um, but, me, I'm personally, I'm going with my Zags all the way. Um, Alex, who do you like so far of just watching basketball all season long? Oh, man, I never watched a basketball game in my life, but I love when Gonzaga wins, <laughs> being a Spokane boy. Uh, I, I remember a few years back um, when Gonzaga was making it right to the very end, and then they didn't get it, and I was actually home visiting my parents, and the whole town was just like in a depression. I mean, it was it was really sad. So now I'm like, okay, let's do this for our city because I'm a Spokane boy at heart. I actually got to go to that national championship in 2017. Such a cool experience. Even though they lost, it was it was a once in a lifetime opportunity to go down to the Final Four in Phoenix and just just watch what right now is currently the greatest basketball team of all time in Gonzaga history. But this 2020-2021 team is unlike any other. And I had the privilege of playing against one of the current players and actually WCC player of the year, Corey Kispert High School. Um, it didn't go my way or Mount Baker High School's way in any shape or form, but it, just to say I played against one of the greatest Gonzaga Bulldogs of all time in high school. Awesome guy, though. Super, super cool dude. So I, I'm just super excited for the madness to begin. And we th- there were some really good games that have already begun at the beginning of March. Uh, Kyle, what do you look forward to with March Madness the most? Everyone's bracket losing. <laughs> um, yeah, I love it when the, the Zags get far and deep into the tournament. Uh, you know, definitely a Eastern Washington guy. I think most people are, um, at least, you know, from my lead role, cheering for them. Uh, yeah, just watching the Zags do well and any other ones, or if they go out early, cheering for the next best team furthest to the west so whomever that is whether it's oregon u-dub california team what have you uh that's always been that was my grandma's thing with uh college games was if you don't have a a favorite team playing just cheer for whoever's the furthest west and they're closest to home so cheer for them 
just don't cheer for Baylor, Michigan, or Illinois at all. And I will be perfectly fine with what you cheer for. Actually, don't even cheer for Oregon either. And the University of Washington is not very good this year. So you're you're limited on your West Coast teams. Well, how about how the uh, um, Gonzaga coach is now the winning winningest most the coach with the most wins at the collegiate level for basketball ever, right? He's won more games than anybody. I, think, I don't think it's the most wins. I believe it's the highest like overall winning percentage by a okay. coach. It's like 890 something like Mark, Mark few has the, like the all time greatest. I think like maybe like Bob Knight has the most wins for career wise as a coach, but Mark few has the greatest overall win percentage of any coaches in, in the NCAA. Do you guys know yeah. who, oh, sorry, go ahead, Alex. Oh, I just said it puts Spokane on the map, and I respect that. Mm-hmm. You know, do you guys know who the most winningest uh, college quarterback is full time for uh, football? Uh, Kellen Moore, Boise State Prosser native. Why don't you play in an actual league, and then those wins can actually count? You play who you got. You play who you got. Although I guess that's the argument for a lot of non-Gonzaga yeah. fans. Though you're a Gonzaga fan, right? You just said that. Yeah. <laughs> We play people. We 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 played some. We played four top twenty-five teams this year. I, we we play teams outside of the West Coast Conference. Speaking of Gonzaga, moving switching gears to cross country, can we talk about the men's team and how well they ran last week down in Las Vegas, second place, defeating number eight ranked Portland, and then losing to the BYU Cougars by I want to say like twenty-five points. As a Zag student myself and i know a lot of people don't pay necessarily pay attention to the cross country team here but it was a great day to be a zag on wednesday last week yeah uh keenan owes me money so i'm gonna suck up and say nice job on that uh interview that you held with them that was really cool to see and kind of to wrap things up um with that day but i mean serious what a what a cool team pat tyson has built through the leadership of some amazing athletes uh, you know, it doesn't happen with just one great coach um, or just amazing athletes. You got to have them working together. Um, and it's it's come together now. And it's no surprise. I mean, we know what a great coach Pat Tyson is. But, but to actually see uh, the, the product of that work um, and to know that this is the greatest Gonzaga team that we've seen, it's, it's really cool. And to know that it's built off of so many Washington boys. That's what I think is so cool. You got James, you got Yassine, you got Will. It's it's very cool to see. So I'm inspired. I know that a lot of the kids who followed are inspired. Um, I, I I just can't even wait. I think next year will be even better. I don't know how they go down from here. They can't. I think they return almost everybody that's on that team. So Seven of those guys, like you said, are from Washington. And three of them were all WCC honors. And the legend himself finally one WCC coach of the year. So adding to his 14 state championships that he won as a coach in high school. Now he's among some of the great WCC coaches other than Ed Eyestone. Finally, we all kept talking about, it's like, can we please just give the award to somebody else other than the BYU coach, but Pat Tyson, well-deserved honor. Kyle, what were your thoughts about the race from last week? Uh, just phenomenal performance. I think this has been something that Tyson has been capable of as as a coach and he's just finally got athletes from across the state to really buy into it and you know he's had phenomenal runners before but now he's got a a plethora of them that are putting them on the map and I think from here on out you know on the national stage Gonzaga is going to be a team where 
you know, they're going to be ranked in the top 15, top 10 for the next couple of years, at least because of their returners. And when you got runners running that well, you're just going to get better runners from across the country. And hopefully across the state of Washington, maybe, you know, instead of the top guys going to UW or, or Wazoo, they're going to head over to uh, Gonzaga, run fast with Pat. Cause he's just a great guy. I think all three of us here have, and nothing but positive interactions with him. He's just a guy that makes you believe in him, believe in yourself and believe in what he can do for you as a coach. So, you know, just phenomenal. Uh, it's a, about time. Um, so just great for him. Super happy. You know, what I was more impressed with from an individual perspective was Yasin Girmali, what he's been through as an athlete. I mean, the kid hasn't raced since 2019 of his, I want to say his red shirt sophomore year, uh, spring season, the injuries he's gone through and to finish fourth overall in what was a very stacked WCC race this year. When you're looking at athletes like Connor Mance, James Moore, all those BYU athletes and even Portland athletes to see Yassine just go out there and attack that race like he did and prove to people that just because you have this injury and it's a setback doesn't mean you can get back to the winning ways. Uh, what I saw out there was a, a former state champion just getting after it and, and getting it done. So I thought. Yeah. And you take a guy like Will Smith. That's what I'm getting excited about. Freshman this year. Uh, what 12th. Is that right? Was he 12th? I mean, holy 11th or 12th, something like that. Um, top 15 for sure. And we're coming back, you know, we're probably, you're going to probably throw a red shirt in there somewhere. And then you've got another three years on top of that. Here's a guy who's going to be thinking, okay, I'm going to have a time to win this thing. For sure. My time will come right now. I'm the young guy, but I'm up there. So that's, that's very cool. He didn't get to win freshman of the year. Although apparently the supposedly freshman of the year from BYU um, is 21 years old. Does to me, Will yeah. Smith is the, is the true, true freshman of the year because he was 19 going into that. Cause we all know the BYU guys got a lot of older guys. Yeah. The, I, there are probably some, folks who may disagree this is my own personal take i've had i read with my buddy taylor Farnsworth, who's a byu cross-country alum you know that's not too uncommon to hear of you've got yeah freshmen who are in their 20s racing against freshmen in their in their 18 it's it's a different i'm gonna digress right there before i say something stupid I'm, I'm gonna i mean i'm assuming that this is because you for all our listeners you've got a lot of athletes are going on their mission and they're coming back right that's yeah that's what's happening there yeah exactly they go on their two-year mission they come back and and then you throw in the COVID year they keep their eligibility and now they're yeah rock stars it kind of reminds me of you guys ever seen bench warmers that movie like (laughs) when when uh the pitcher comes up and he's like 40 and it's written in crayon he's got documentation (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> but overall it was so cool just to see what Gonzaga is and what they did um, and the women did a great job too finishing fourth scoring 98 points Kristen Garcia former Cedar Woolley High School state champion uh, I believe she was 12th overall and earned herself all WCC honors let's start talking about week four what a week four we had last week and I want to start off with the race of the week Everybody saw it. Everybody knew it. Olympia versus Yelm. It was Bryce Zirkinick versus Ethan Coleman. Alex, I know on your end, Bryce didn't come out with the win, but what a heck of a race that was on Saturday last week. Yeah, it was a battle. Um, And 
you know, I, Bryce went in confident. He, he knew that he'd never lost to Ethan in a cross-country race before, but we also respected that Ethan's a really great runner, um, somebody who's really um, shown some huge growth in the, in the last year. He's a junior, right? Bryce is a senior. He's a junior. Uh, getting much stronger, much faster. Um, he also has a great coach with, uh, coach with Jesse Stevick at Olympia, so some good – uh, mentoring that's happening there as well so it definitely by no means was Bryce going into it with the mentality of this is going to be easy um, but we we call it an upset right the the idea nobody goes to go get second that wasn't the goal um, and it was a battle from the start they took it out fast they took it out really fast in a challenging course you guys can look at those times um, and think, man, that's, that's not really anything special. Uh, but to put it into perspective, Ethan was 10 seconds under the course record, right? That's a course that Olympia's had for a while. So it was a battle, um, awesome course, lots of hills, a uh, little bit of, a lot of mud actually in the backwoods. Um, cool, cool course. Uh, at the end of that day, Ethan came out the, the faster athlete and the they shook hands, respected each other, and they're ready to get back into it in two more weeks and see what happens at our culminating event, which will be at the same park. So proud coach. Bryce did great. Ethan did awesome. We'll do it again in a few weeks. Yeah, that's what I was more impressed with. Bryce took this loss with good sportsmanship. I think he knew that day Ethan was the better athlete. And we know deep down Bryce has – the better strength and probably the better endurance than Ethan does when it comes to cross country. But I think Ethan just, just let it lay on the line on Saturday and just, just sent a big message to someone like Bryce, who is one of the top guys in our entire state. And of course, Ethan too, uh, that Ethan is not messing around. He's, he, he's ready to show, he's ready to prove that he can compete with some of the, the best guys in the state. Uh, even if it is in a COVID times and we, we won't get to see Ethan probably race any of those top athletes like a Kamai against Isaac Teeples, Grayson Wilcott, Camus's Sam Geiger and Evan Jenkins at all this season because of that. But hopefully next year we'll be able to see some really good races um, come senior year for him. Well, and Keenan, I think that after that race, you had told Bryce that he's one of the more um, underrated uh, athletes in the state and we're like why why is that he's the top returner right doesn't that mean something and so we were talking and Bryce is is different in the sense that he's always kind of had to work for it not that other athletes don't work for it but you usually get that prodigy freshman that comes out is a phenomenal runner from the start Bryce wasn't even top 55 in cross-country freshman year right? he's always had something to prove so if you talk back to about that sportsmanship of taking the loss it's this it's not it's not about just respecting the other athlete. It's I know that I'm going to go out and I'm going to work hard for it every single time. Uh, and I think that's a cool thing. And I think that Ethan and Bryce both see that in each other, which makes it a really cool matchup. I mean, it, Bryce put it pretty simple. Ethan is really good and he's a stud. Ethan is a stud. There, there's no doubt in my mind that Ethan is arguably a top five runner, perhaps top three runner in our state, especially after what he did on a course like that. I mean, that course was not easy. It was very muddy, very hilly. Um, but I can just see that grit and determination that Ethan had that day. That just showed, I think, from just from the start, that it was Ethan's race from the get-go. I, I, to me, that's what I just saw from being there. Yeah, a lot of confidence. He came out 
totally confident from the start. He knew where he was going to make his moves. It was obvious, um, especially with talking with Bryce about the parts that we couldn't see. He knew that Bryce is a strong athlete. I'm going to, I'm going to get him on the hills. I'm going to hammer up those hills because he thinks I'm the speed guy, right? And no, I'm going to prove to him that I'm the guy who goes out and, and runs hard the whole time. And he did, and it worked. worked really well for him. And me and Kyle were completely wrong on our picks. So congratulations to all the Olympia people out there for proving us wrong as Ethan Coleman pulled off a really, really big win uh, again over Bryce Serkinik in this 5K race. But probably the biggest headline of the week, let's talk about a team that finally beat another school for the first time in 37 years. And the Timberline Blazers, it was a very unique way that they won their meet. I mean, of all the ways to win a race, to to dictate it by the, the sixth man as it was tied, at the end of it all, after the fifth runner, just looking at that race, I mean, it went capital, Timberline, capital, Timberline, Timberline, capital, capital, Timberline, Timberline, Timberline. It was just all over the map. It, it was just, it was crazy. But for somehow, some way, Timberline managed to pull it off against a capital team. Alex, how did they do that? That's kind of the question. Um, when, when you look back at previous performances in the last few years, you don't really see anything that leads you to believe this is coming. And that's why I, um, Kenny, when you asked us to pick out some races, this is one that I kind of wanted to touch on because it's hard to break tradition. Even when tradition uh, is one of, we are going to be asked to step up a little bit here because we haven't been that team that beats a team like capital who is traditionally pretty good. Uh, So I like to see that. I think everyone likes the underdog story and Timberline is the underdog team. Um, so, so how do you do it? I'm going to guess they've got a good group of young guys. It looked like a lot of that team is pretty young. Um, who's willing to commit to working together. I think they saw an opportunity in a COVID time and they took it and now they're winning races, which is pretty cool. Um, not something that Timberline's seen in a while. So I just wanted to acknowledge that, that these, these things don't happen by accident. We know that we've all been runners. You don't just accidentally fall into winning races. There's something that's happening there. Uh, and the underdogs prevailed on that day against capital. Pretty cool. And kind of just giving you a perspective on how the tiebreaker is broken. Uh, Kobe Smith Cruz finished 10th overall, which I believe they had their sixth runner in front of, I think it was in front of capital's fifth runner. Um, but somehow, some way, the scoring ended up tied, even with their six runner in front. Uh, the last time Capital had beaten, or not Capital, sorry, Timberline had beaten Capital 37 years ago. Uh, on that team, that was the last time a Timberline team had qualified, I believe, for a state meet. And I could be completely wrong, too, about that. Uh, but when you look at who was on that team, current University of Portland head coach Rob Connor and U.S. Marathon Olympic trial qualifier Phil Jasperson. Now, I don't know any of those names. Of, I mean, of course, now the Portland coach, Rob Connor, he's currently there right now, but I don't, I've don't. i never heard of Phil Jasperson myself, but it seems like it's just a long, long time for a, a group of individuals to, to finally get it done against what sounds like a decent program that's had some good tradition in, in years past in the Capitol Cougars. 
Yeah, no, Keenan, you're, you're exactly right. Capitals, you know, at a school in Olympia, they typically get bigger numbers. Um, and we know that numbers win races a lot of the time, right? They got good depth. Depth is something that Capitals has always had. So I think Timberline knows we got to have those individuals that go in front of Capital. And that's what they had this year. So um, for the first time in a long time, I respect it. I love it. It's cool to see, especially in our area. I like when the South Puget Sound area can raised the bar a little bit and that's what they did yeah congrats to coach kevin gary and that blazers on, on getting the job done even if it was in the most unique way getting that tiebreaker over with and picking up the first win of the season they got a test though they got a big test this week when they take on north thurston uh north thurston had a really good week this week uh tamir amin uh had his season debut ran 13.53 for the 4,000-meter race. As we talk about top performances, Kyle, I want to start with you. What stood out to you the most this week around the state? Uh, well, for me personally, uh, here on the east side, there was the Chitawana versus Southridge versus Richland meet. That was really exciting. We They all raced against each other last week for a jamboree which the official results never got published but i believe southridge won at the jamboree you know even though they didn't score it but if you do score it it was like 26 to 33 or something like that they won by six or eight points when you score it head to head and then uh, chiawana week later beats them by two points so i was definitely you know shocked to hear that result uh but Chiawana has got a handful of seniors that uh, really want to make a name for themselves and are running really well. Uh, their number one runner, Owen Stige, won their little jamboree race last weekend, won the dual uh, or try meet this week. So that's what I really love about this whole COVID situation is you're getting a bunch of not only runners who wouldn't typically win the bigger invites or, you know, over here typically – we just have a handful of a league meet that includes all the teams. But now with these smaller races, you've got more winners, which I think is great for the sport. I have kids running fast and kids running confident and going forward. So really excited to see some competition uh, between a couple of teams in our league here. You mentioned uh, in your summary from this week the performance of the week kenwick's macy market i mentioned her last week on the podcast although i did not remember her name because i didn't publish the results uh but i saw her race last week and she was absolutely phenomenal and she showed it again this week uh proved me right i ran really fast for her first win but yeah for the east side that was the the main thing that i saw i the me I checked out was the Ellensburg gals from what they published on the results. They swept their race one through five, which is kind of always fun to do on a varsity program. Um, even though it's not fun on the other team, but so good for them. But those are ones that I saw throughout the meet that, uh, throughout the week that really stood out to me. Yeah. That, that Kennewick girl, Macy Marquardt, she won that race by a minute, 41 seconds. She won that by over a hundred seconds in a try meet. And I don't know how fast that course is. You guys were, it's, it was at Walla Walla, wasn't it? Yeah, it was at a new Walla Walla course. Uh, typically it's the last several years, it's been at a public park, but this year they did um, like three loops around a giant baseball course. It wasn't really that fast. We thought it would be, but it was a little windy. 
a little cold and it just there were quite a few turns so it wasn't as fast as we were expecting but yeah she just ran phenomenal I, if my friend Prescott Davis is one of the assistant coaches there and he said she's just been putting in a lot of work since this whole COVID situation went down you know about a year ago today so you know now it's finally beginning to pay off which love to see and we're like we saw with Timberland we're seeing it across the state just complete shocks things you weren't expecting are happening so it's really exciting to see I, I'm loving it I don't know about you guys yeah, props to props to her specifically because her sophomore year she ran like 19:30 and I believe got like 39th or something like that at the Kennewick's 3A. Kennewick, yeah, Kennewick is 3A school at yep. the 3A state cross country meet last mm-hmm. year. Um, but with a big improvement like that, I think by by her senior year because she's a junior this year and without state meet, I think her senior year we could see her being on the podium at state. Oh, easy. Oh, yeah. You know. It's it's almost not fair. I mean, they had Geraldine Crea last year, and now they've got another great girl stepping up. So really great for the program. Shows that they're being being really consistent and putting the putting the work. So that's fantastic for the coaches, fantastic for the athletes, and hopefully inspires uh, more runners to come out when they see their friends running well, and you know get a really great program going. Some real tradition that would be fantastic. Alex, how about you? What stood out to you the most this weekend, other than your own race? Uh, I've I've mostly kept a good eye on what's going on in in our area, just on the coaching side. I like to be aware of what's happening. Um, I was really glad to see Samir back. Um, one of the, I, I would call him one of the more underrated athletes in the state of Washington. We know he's been dealing with some injury. Cross country has been hard for him over the last few years, as far as injury goes. And I was worried that we wouldn't see a performance out of his senior year. So um, to see Samir back and, and get a win, uh, I know he was working to bring some teammates to faster times also because it was his first race back. He wasn't going all out, um, but still a pretty impressive time. So um, also with North Thurston scoring a perfect score of 15 points against River Ridge, uh, pretty, pretty cool. Cool to see. I want to see some more from Samir. I hope he stays nice and healthy so that – especially in track. We want to see that 800 time. I think he's going to be a low one fifties guy. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, he's arguably, he would have been probably the top 800 guy in the state this season. I think so. With what was returning this year. And he probably would have won the state championship for three, a this year. I think he would have been up there. There's, there's always guys that surprise you. I, he might've been the top returner. Um, But yeah, I think at the state meet Last year he was like 155. Sounds about right. I'm not totally sure, but yeah, he's... I think he was not that. I think Kyan Dibble, which I don't know if Bonnie Lake is 4A or 3A. They're 3A. We we see them at our district. Event. So I think he finished right behind him, or maybe a little bit in front of him. And Kyan was a was a legit 800 guy last year. He's a he's a solid runner for sure. And they were kind of neck and neck. So well, then you also have you throw in Johan Correa in that race as well. That's another solid runner. Yeah, the 800 graduated. was fast last year. Johan graduated. Oh, you're talking past tense. I'm sorry. Yeah, we're talking about yeah. the talking last. About returners. Yeah, well, yeah. Last state meet that actually happened was yeah. it had Johan Correa and Kyan and Samir in that 800 race, which I heard that one went down to the wire in Tahoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for, for me, that stood out to the most. Uh, I want to touch base upon uh, Lakes Cruz Corvin. Uh, Lakes is home to the great Isaac Yorks. We had him on our podcast. We talked with him a little bit, but Cruz Corvin, only a sophomore, ran 1533 to win his first ever high school meet. 
I believe, yeah, it was, no, sorry, his second win of the season. So to start off his sophomore year, uh, finishing, to start off his sophomore year with a 2-0 record, the potential in this kid is pretty, is through the roof. I mean, you're looking at a guy that runs 15:33 as a sophomore. Even Kyle can speak on this because he's seen an athlete like Isaac Teeples do some damage as a sophomore. Um, but last year as a freshman, Corvin was 62nd at the 3A state meet with a personal best of, of 16.34.6. So this is an up and coming guy that we necessarily didn't hear about a lot last year. But again, Isaac Teeples was, uh, was someone we didn't hear a whole lot about freshman year, but was able to do quite a bit of damage his sophomore year. Well, with Teeples, he was a little uh, overshadowed by some fantastic seniors who brought him up um, his senior year. But I think he was in the 30s for his uh, – you're going to make me check now. But uh, I think he was in his thir- in the, somewhere in the 30 range when he was a, a freshman. But, yeah, great to see runners I, I up and coming was, working hard. Sorry, Kyle. I thought he was like 13th. <laughs> I always think it's funny that we his call – yeah, I mean, you would know better than me, but we always – I always think it's funny when people say he was an underrated freshman. He was like 13th at State, I thought. Let's check it. Was. I hope he doesn't listen to this because maybe I'm getting I'm, – I'm dyslexic today, so maybe he uh, – I'm getting the one and the three mixed around. Check, check me on it, but I – yeah, he was – I've got him pulled up right Well, I, I just oh, – here's 14th. I'm an idiot. Yeah, 14th. I, I, I think the reason why we say he was underrated because of the talent that was in front of him. Oh yeah, I think that was that was the big story right there. When you look at who was in that race for three, obviously Johan Correa winning it his senior <laughs> year. One of the things that always makes me kind of laugh. If you had told me at the beginning of the year, Bradley Pelican would lose to Johan, but Johan would lose to him in the mile in track, I wouldn't have believed you. It's just flip flop, like, and Bradley just yeah. got done running WCCs down at Portland. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I bet he wish he'd stayed in Washington now. <laughs> run run for the Zags instead of the Pilots because the Zags beat the Pilots. No diss to the Pilots, though, because there's a lot of really good Washington runners. Did, did his brothers run at yeah. Portland also? The Pelican family has got a lot of talent in there. I know he's had some older brothers. Do you guys know? Tristan was pretty um, good. I think one of them ran – I know his sister ran for Boise. Go Broncos. I don't know about the other ones. Yep, go Broncos. Well, speaking of Gig Harbor, the, the team I was impressed with was the Gig Harbor girls – um, specifically their underclassmen first through fourth were all underclassmen sophomores three sophomores and a freshman led by Kaylee Fergus and Reese Mokert who, who just who just battled it out and that was also my race of the week as well I wouldn't necessarily put race of the week with two teammates uh, going at it with one another because they're racing each other every single week um, but this was really the only closest race on the girls side um, Fergus ended up running, I believe, 1620.95, um, whereas Mokert ran 1621.46. So it was a good individual battle for the end. But athletes that, that, that stood out to me in this race that made a pretty big stand against a, a Sumner Spartan team was Grace Moffitt-Fried and Danica Olson, uh, placing third and fourth, running 1641 and 1659. Um, three sophomores and one freshman. Guess how old Sumner's number one runner is? Freshman. Senior. 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 So you got three, four underclassmen, one a freshman, and then the three sophomores taking down Sumner's number one, who is a senior, who has the most experience 
out of that. Gig Harbor's got some pretty good stuff going on in that program right now. Patty Lay. <laughs> Patty it's Lay's all- back in Gig Harbor, Gig Harbor again. I, I really respect Patty Lay a lot. If you guys don't know her, she's a phenomenal coach. She did some work with the Gonzaga girls for a while. Um, just somebody who gets kids, understands how to get them fired up and want to work. And, um, and she's got some talent to work with now too. So props to Patty. And then I want to talk about one more meet. Uh, it was Curtis versus Peninsula. This was, other than the Timberline Capital Boys race, this was also another unique race, although Curtis came out with a one-point win. But just looking at from it from the individual side, the Vikings had three runners place first through third overall. Okay, they It seemed like Curtis was well on their way to win this meet because of those top three runners. But then after the top three, Fourth through tenth were all peninsula runners. So you're thinking, holy cow, this is gonna this is a, some huge mix-up right here. And I think in any other scenario, Peninsula comes out on top with this win. But for some reason, Curtis had girls finish eleventh and twelfth. And because of those top three girls they had on their team finish first through third, they were able to pull off that one point win. Mm-hmm. It, it was one, like I said, one of the more unique ways to win a race, especially the fact that Peninsula, like I said, had seven girls finish in the top 10. Yeah. That's the whole trick with these dual meets is you go one, two, three on any team. That's it. It doesn't matter where everyone else finishes. It's you win. That's just the, the name of the game. That's I mean, that really matters. Get one, two, one, two, three, and everyone else can just uh, walk it in. I don't want to go on too much of a tangent, but I really hope that Washington starts to get into more of a culture of dual meets during the regular season. We've kind of veered from that. Every school loves their their invite that you have once a year, and those happen on your Wednesdays or Thursdays. Spokane has always had the dual meets, right? Or even if they're tri-meets, they're scored as duels. And I think that's what makes Spokane so strong, um, that every race totally counts. Um, and, and I hope that races like this with those peninsula girls and Curtis girls show the power of a dual meet and how cool it is and how meaningful it can be. So that's my tangent. Sorry. Well, but it's I, so it's, I mean, no, you're totally right. It's, it's so different from the West side. Me growing up running on the in Western Washington and, and running in the Northwest conference, there was no end of the season, like trophy given to the best team in the conference when I came over to Spokane and started coaching in the, in the, at West Valley in the great Northern league, the duels mattered. Like they matter big time. Cause you, if you finish first in the regular season, you get a trophy. Mm-hmm. We never had that when I was in, in school and still don't have that. Or for as long as I remember, we've never had that. The only thing we've given a trophy out for was the Northwest conference championship. And it's, it was either always see home or Bellingham taking the trophy. Like it was pretty much just a gimme. We never had like a 1A, 2A, 3A individual trophy. It was, we had our culminating event, um, but all the other duels throughout the season didn't mean anything. Over here, it does mean something. Yeah. Oh yeah. And they're super exciting too. Like with the whole Timberline uh, versus Capital and the uh, Southridge versus Chihuahua, it just creates more drama. You don't, you have a whole lot less wiggle room to, to mess up. Like, uh it, I'm thinking like for ourselves coming up, like when you've got maybe a year where you don't have a, a lot of experience on, on the varsity, you know, you gotta and you 
don't have a, a bigger race for runners to get lost in. It, it could get uh, real close. So there's not a lot of room in error. Usually in a bigger invite, if you've got a couple low sticks, you're fine. Uh, but when there aren't a lot of bodies to add on points for the overall beat, it, it gets uh, nerve wracking. So yeah, I think it's great. Creates rivalries, uh, creates meaning. Here in the Tri-Cities, we've always had trophy for the best uh, best in the league and best at the district meet. So sometimes it's not always the same team. There's been drama on the, the 4A where, like I say, one year Richland won it and Walla Walla won the league. They won all the league meets for 4A and then Walla Walla would beat them at uh, districts. So it creates just a lot of drama to have that extra competition, extra edge. So yeah, well, districts need to buy more trophies. On the coaching side, I've loved this season in the sense of I think every athlete, varsity or JV, has felt so much more value in their job that they have to execute in the race. Like, you know, my my five and six and seven know exactly who they need to be in front of. And, you know, the one through four is getting the job done. And the JV knows that I got to put the pressure on this guy and I can do that through getting this other jv athlete right it's a little harder to do in a big invite you you don't really know what you're going into sometimes unless you're super familiar with the teams so this this makes the team vibe of cross country and i'll go into a whole other tangent another time about how i believe cross country is the team sport i don't know if there's a greater team sport than cross country but it really is emphasized in a duel so i i love to see it i'm gonna go on a tangent too i think when you look at invites like hole in the wall, twilight, or even the state meet, if your team hasn't been racing well together all season long and you go into a big invite like that, it it's going to be an individual perspective. Like that's, that's just reality of it. If like, if you don't have a great team, like a Kamaya kit or a Camus or a Tahoma, the reality is, is you, the individual on your team is going to more likely do the best rather than the, the team itself. I mean, I hate to say it. I, I don't mean to offend anybody out there, but to me, that's just the reality of it. I mean, I think it's why Eastern Washington has been a powerhouse. You, you get the, you get the Western Washington teams that rise. They're always there, but consistently the teams that have had the intense duels, the running culture, they're, they're on the podium and winning all the time. So I think Keenan just confirmed that Kyle and I are right. That the East side is, is the beast side. Well, I, I'm not going to, and I'm not going to pick on Yelm at all, but I, I want you to be honest with me. When you go into an, an invite, are you focusing on the team aspect or are you focusing on your individuals running fast times? Team aspect all the way. Absolutely. Yep. Several, several times I have Bryce um, and some of my other guys hold back and bring those other guys up with them, especially in kind of the low key invites. So mm-hmm. um, the, the success that we've seen, I attribute to a team atmosphere that's been built by some of our our leaders on the team. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. This last meet in uh, Walla Walla, Grayson and Isaac held back and just uh, cheered on the guys in the back and paced them to a a fast time. So yeah, it's all about the team. Maybe that's just me just talking about the individual thing because I was unfortunately our number one as a 1745 cave runner. So my team was not very good (laughs) in high school. So but yeah, I mean, always focus on the team. And of course, if, if your team's not strong enough, then focus on those individuals uh, getting faster and, and those invites create opportunities for, for some fast times. But other top performances that stood out 
do you guys, I mean, I'm, I'm just looking here, I think at least from a one B two B perspective, Nicholas Marty from Toledo, how about this nine fourteen for a three K and then running a 1707 on Thursday for a five K that's a, that's a really solid double right there. Um, see home Zach Munson, 2.7 mile race, a very, very difficult race at Seaham high school ran 1325 on the girls side. I'm looking at, uh, Let's see here. Uh, Washougal's L. Thomas. Uh, she wins her third race of the season. We've talked about her many, many times this year, and we'll continue to talk about her because she's a phenomenal runner and an upcoming star in our state. And then uh, Natalie Rosalskis runs a season best 1901 in her 5K win over Southridge and Chiawana. Um, Seton Catholic doing what Seton Catholic does, which is win. They beat Columbia White Salmon and Kingsway Christian, led by Laura Carrion. Uh, running 1855, but anything else that stood out to you guys this week? I You uh, stole the words out of my mouth, Kane. I was going to go with Seton Catholic, how they just continue to win in a in a pretty challenging division, I think. They've got some uh, other other schools in, um, on the girls' teams that are running right there with them. Uh, what was it, week one? They went up against a team that was, was pretty close, and they got the win, and, and now they're just continuing off of that momentum. So cool to see with those girls. Yeah, and with obviously I'm going to pick on uh, my conference here, Mid Columbia Conference, uh, Natalie Rosowskis, uh, running you know 1901. I, I don't think that was an all effort for her. Um, definitely think she could run faster. I wasn't at the this the course, and I know it wasn't as fast as someone were hoping, but I expect uh, more fast times out of her. And then going back to the team thing, the, the Curtis boys ran really well. Scored a pit for perfect 15 against Peninsula. Not as close of a battle as their girls' team had, um, but really well job job well done by the Curtis Vikings. Mason Watamura, first place time of 1027.9, I believe, for that two-mile or, yeah, two-mile race. Um, as we conclude – oh, what was that? Oh, that's always a great feeling. I Oh, we just lost Kyle. <laughs> we lost, we lost, we lost Kyle there. Hopefully, we can get Kyle back. Wait, um, but as we conclude the show, I mean, what a, what another great week! A lot of fast times, a lot of good team efforts. Alex, the GSLs open up this weekend. There's some was, fast time, some fast times are coming our way. We'll see Ali Janky run some fast times. We'll see Leif Swanson run some fast times. Um, but final thoughts about last week and um, just overall the entire show. Uh, yeah, I love the underdog performances. I love to see some athletes that we haven't seen yet that are continuing to run. Um, as much as I talk about the great performances of Eastern Washington being from there, I'm also a coach in Western Washington. Um, and the performances this week were were pretty, pretty dang good. Super happy to see that. Uh, I'm really looking forward to GSL next week. Uh, I'm thinking like Mount Spokane, Mead, and Ferris. That's going to be a really cool, cool race that happens next week. Um, so I, more to come, more to yeah, come. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. I'm, and I'm hoping to catch one of those races in the in the near future, um, specifically the GSL Cross Country Championships. That's going to be a really cool one to watch. Uh, uh, finally, see Ali Janky race in her last cross country race, uh, arguably hands down the best distance runner we've ever had in Washington. Unfortunately, we may not ever get to see her win a three-peat state championship in cross country. I know it's hard. It's There's just some incredible individuals in Washington right now. You think of like Ali Janky or Isaac Teeples. You know, Isaac would have been, in my opinion, the second 
athlete of all time to win cross country as a sophomore, junior, and senior. And we'll just never know. And that's, that's probably harder for us than him. Cause he's the competitor who's like, I don't need to prove anything. I'm just do what I do, but I would have loved to have seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, sa- same with Owie. Yeah, That's, that's just the, the fans of cross country and us speaking about it. And then of course, as me being a media personnel, it's, it's what I want to see. It's what, what I want to cover and because it grows my brand and it shows that this is something excited. We like watching and we love watching cross country and track. Unfortunately, Kyle will not be able to sign off with us and tell us his final thoughts. His computer died, but we will conclude today's episode with, um, I guess I can say my final thoughts. If Kyle won't say his, um, I, I mean, you already talked about G- GSL gets underway this weekend on Saturday. Um, kids keep improving, keep running fast times. Teams are, doing stuff that we wouldn't necessarily see in big time invites. I mean, Timberline is a great example, go 37 years without beating a capital team. And then you go on to win in a tie <laughs> again, one of the more unique ways to, to pull off a win, but congratulations to the Blazers on a job well done and getting that win. And what seemed like a very, very long time since that program has felt good about where they're at right now. Um, but other than that, keep racing more stuff to come. We got, a lot more racing uh, in the coming in the next couple of weeks. Um, of course, track and field's also around the corner too, starting on March 15th. So we'll see that starting pretty soon. So we'll have like cross country and track going on at the same time, which is going to be very interesting and in how, and how that works out. But if the NCAA can do it, I believe we can do it as well. So for Kyle Paulson, even though he's not on with us, Alex McIntyre, this is Keenan Gray saying thank you for tuning in to The Rundown here on The Runner Washington. Please, if you haven't listened to our other episodes, please do give them a listen. Give us feedback. Tell us what you want us to talk about. We love to have to talk about just anything related to high school cross country and track here in Washington. Let us know. DM us through The Runner Washington or my own Keenan Gray 5, Alex McIntyre, and Kyle Paulson. We appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll hope to see you guys all next week on another exciting episode of The Rundown.